You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Tyler Jones. I'm your host. Thanks for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. On the podcast today is Jason Rowland. He's the senior pastor and one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church and another of our elders, Philip Castleton. This month, we are going through the Doctrines of Grace. Um, the first episode aired September 2nd. It is, What is Radical Depravity? The next week, What is Unconditional Election? The next week was, What is Limited Atonement? And this week, the question of the week is, What is Efficacious Call? And that's a a word a lot of people probably don't understand, Jason. So can you even uh, give us a definition at the beginning here and then go into everything else in regards to this? Efficacious means successful in producing what the intent or desired intent was. So some people call this irresistible grace, mm-hmm. and it is the fourth in the line of understanding the sovereignty of God in salvation through the doctrines of grace. The efficacious call then is the calling of God generally to people and specifically or particularly uh, to the elect. But Philip, I think again, as we have done in the previous podcast, you have a definition by Dr. Steve Lawson. Sure. With oneness of purpose, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into the world to apply this salvation to those chosen and redeemed. The Spirit came to convict the elect of sin, righteousness and judgment, and to turn the Son or turn to the Son all whom the Father gave to him. At the divinely appointed time, the Spirit removes from each elect person his unbelieving heart of stone, hardened and dead in sin, and replaces it with a believing heart of flesh, responsive and alive to God. This spirit implants eternal life within the spiritually dead soul. He grants to chosen men and women the gifts of repentance and faith, enabling them to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Suddenly, all things are made new. New life from the Spirit produces new love for God. New desires to obey the Word of God produces a new pursuit of holiness. There's a new life direction lived with new passion for God. These born-again ones give evidence of their election with the fruit of righteousness. This call from the Spirit is effectual, meaning the elect will certainly respond when it is given then uh, they will not finally resist it. Thus, the doctrine of effectual calling is sometimes called the doctrine of irresistible grace. Right. So then to summarize that, we're saying that there is this outward general call to salvation, which is made to everyone who hears the gospel, but the Holy Spirit extends to the elect a special imitation or a special inward call that inevitably brings the elect to salvation. Yes. Now, the Armenian viewpoint or the contrasting viewpoint would say would say that there is resistible grace. That is, that the Spirit calls inwardly all who are called outwardly by the gospel, 
He does all that he can to bring every sinner to salvation, and those then he calls um, can successfully resist if they desire to. Yeah, there's a confusion between the external gospel call and the internal spirit call, in in my estimation. Yes. So they're they're saying um, they confuse those things and think, okay, so we proclaim the gospel. That is the call, and all men then are capable of either uh, uh, responding favorably or um, unfavorably to that call. Right. And so they believe they would confuse that. We would agree that that is there is a gospel call. It is commanded to all men repent and believe the gospel. Right. Right. We tell them the gospel. We tell them that they they are responsible to respond to that gospel call. And we believe that all men do respond to that gospel call in rejection and suppression. That's what the testimony of Scripture would be. The confusion, uh, the distinction between us and the Arminian here was they would believe that that um, is, is the... Uh, the call, and yet it's irresistible. We would, I mean, it is resistible. We would say there is an eternal, an internal call, one uh, that the Father does. We've we've done a lot of this in previous podcasts, like uh, where the Father actually teaches, the Father actually informs, He gives eyes and ears spiritually to those who can hear and see and understand spiritual truth. Right? He He gives them those things, and that is something He doesn't do for all. Right, right, and John six forty four. He's going to say, "No one can come unless the Father draws him or calls him." Uh, in sixty verse sixty five, he parallels that very statement and and says, "Unless it's granted to." So we would understand the irresistible grace or the effectual call to be an internal one that doesn't come to all men like the external. A gospel call would, but that this one only comes to God's elect, and it produces in them regeneration. Right, so that in the Armenian viewpoint, it would be that man's free will limits the work of the Spirit, because the uh, Spirit's work can be uh, pushed back, or it could be resisted. Um, Some of the texts that we could go to that would be helpful, perhaps, in trying to understand this particular doctrine is Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 2.10-13. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Those are just a couple of examples. And we've talked about John 3, um, in fact, we did that in the last podcast when we were talking about definite redemption or particular redemption. And there we see particularly the work of the Spirit in the inward call. Mm-hmm. We also spoke about John 8, mm-hmm. which, um, uh, I'm sorry, John 10, in which the shepherd is calling his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. There's an example of the inward call. Right. 
And so the sheep would respond. And interesting enough in John 10 that they hear the inward call and only they hear the inward call. In fact, he's going to make the distinction in John 10 that those who are not his sheep don't hear the word of God and, and, and thus don't respond positively to him. Right. Uh, so it's not as if all are called in this sense. It, 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 the call is limited to uh, the elect or right. the sheep. Right. Uh, Titus 3.5, mm-hmm. he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So again, that's the idea of this uh, efficacious call. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So I, I guess let me ask this question then, Philip. Um, are there those people who desire to be saved and they're not being saved uh, because God's not letting them hear the inward call. Not according to Scripture, there's not. Um, the testimony of Scripture is that no man wants to be saved, uh, that man doesn't seek for God. Romans 3 says as much. Um, and that, uh, and, and, and we want to be clear, because I know that everybody has an experience where, you know, their Uncle Bob, you know, or their, you know, their neighbor Tom or whatever, you know, was a really good guy and, and seemed to seemed to be searching, right? They, he's a seeker. He's a searcher. And, and you know, there's Keith Green wrote a song, and I, I, I'm just amazed every time I think about it, but he says, you know, you claim to be a seeker, but why are you searching in the dark, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the truth of the matter. You know, these people, you know, they, they claim to be seekers, and many people do, but the fact is, is they don't come to the light, according to John 3, because their works and their deeds are dark and evil, and the light would expose them. So the testimony of Scripture is that men don't come to Christ. And, and, and so there's not those out there who long to be saved, and yet God won't bring them home. Right. He, he, you know, he, that's just, there's just nowhere in Scripture that you can find a, a testimony to that effect. Um, and like I said, we, we have to understand, we don't, in, you, let's let um, the experience or in, articulation of the, the lost man be the thing that we use to understand it can't be the lens through which we understand scripture so someone says well how am i supposed to say he's not a a seeker he says he's a seeker right well but we have to let testimony of scripture be how we understand the lost man's nature and the testimony of scripture says he's not seeking right he's not so we have to subject ourselves to scripture and let it tell us who the man is not let the man tell us what scripture says right romans 1 6 and 7 including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Romans 8.30, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom justified, he also glorified. Um, and there's 
many texts that we could go to. Well, and the one you just read is probably really a good one to understand because if if we think, and, and I've had this discussion with people, especially working through that text, uh, that they'll say, yes, but we believe that God calls everybody. Well, if he calls everybody in, in the effectual way, then he also brings them to justification and to glorification, according to the text you just read right. in, in Romans 8. Um, it says, because those he foreknew, he predestined, those he predestined, he called. Effectually, we believe, because that same group that he calls, he declares righteous and then brings to the end of their salvation and glorification. So if it if he calls all people in that way, then he also saves all people. So I think we're left with, if there's not a distinction to make between the um, external call and the internal call, if we don't make that distinction, we're, e- we're either left with um, nobody being saved or everybody being saved. Right. There, there's no, no, no in between. Right. So the, the calling then will always accomplish the purpose by which God intends for it to accomplish so yes. that those who are elect will hear and respond. And it goes back again. I think we ought to go back to what we said at the very first podcast when we were talking about the doctrines of grace. Right before we talked about radical depravity, we talked about the sovereignty of God Mm -hmm. in salvation, so that salvation is given by a sovereign God. Mm -hmm. So some of the texts that we have already made reference to, John 17, 2, since you have given him authority over all flesh, that is, Jesus has authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Mm So God is going to give eternal life to all that you, the Father, have given him, the Son. Mm-hmm. Think about Romans nine sixteen. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. I think about Isaiah fifty five eleven, which is not a text that we had previously talked about. So shall my word be to those who go that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing which for which I sent it. And so the point being that the effectual call is effective to the work of salvation that God is sovereignly given to those who are elect. And in one way that um you know, I was going to read Ezekiel 36, but I, I don't know that we need to. Um, well, I was going to bring that up. Now that you mention it, let me okay. just mention this. Okay. Okay. So Jesus says that we are um, in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. He's established a new covenant, right? What is the new covenant? It is the covenant from um, Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 33. Yeah, well, yeah the, the, the idea is that, you know, it used to be a, if you, then I, if you, then I. Right. And he's saying a new covenant, uh, that's not going to be the way it is. This new right. covenant says I, 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 because you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you won't, you won't, whatever, right? right? So this is what I'm going to do, and this is what he says in, in, in verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle Notice again, who's doing all the work. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and listen to this and cause you 
to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It's effectual. This this process of of, of cleansing and um, and new affections. I mean, he takes away their idols, their desire for idols. It says right? this new affections, this new heart, this new supple, responsive heart that that longs and and loves God. That new heart effectually obeys. Right, it 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 is whatever this is, this regeneration, whatever this is that God is doing, causes obedience and and you know and and a response, a positive response from from the the person it happens to, and so if we recognize that, then we can see that um, when God does this work, it brings about the intended purposes of God. Right. So is God. Um Bringing to heaven people kicking and screaming? No. No, because he gives them new heart, right? right. So no one goes um, that doesn't want to. They didn't want to, but he, he takes out uh, this heart of stone that was rebellious and, 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 and hated God. He gives them a heart that now is supple and soft and responsive, and, um, and they don't go to heaven kicking and screaming. They long for it. Like you said earlier, they run for it, right? Right. So, and, um, and one thing that we ought to make sense of is the fact that the very things that evidence this new life in Christ, repentance, faith, right, belief, this kind of thing, these very things are God-given gifts, a couple of scriptures to that effect. Acts 16, 14, there's a woman named Lydia from Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart right. to pay attention. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, I planted, this is Paul, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Acts five thirty one. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior. I give repentance to Israel. Um, Acts 11, when you heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God granted repentance that leads to life. Philippians 1.29, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should believe. I mean, eight, Acts 18, he, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who, who through grace had believed. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that faith itself is, is a gift from God. Right. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Um, it, it's in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 24 and 25, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. And then it goes on to say that God may perhaps grant repentance leading to the knowledge of faith. If we would rec- recognize that faithfulness itself is a gift, a, a product of the, a fruit of the spirit. All of these things, these these responses that we believe, the Arminian would say, if a person responds in repentance and faith, then he's given new life. We would say, absolutely not. He's given new life effectually, and it produces repentance and faith. Right. Right? So this effectual call, this act of grace, is actually an act of, re- of regeneration where man's created anew, and because he always responds in repentance and faith, both granted by God as the necessary um, evidences of the regenerating work that the Spirit has done. Right. I think of uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 and following, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. 
See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you, you that is Jerusalem, you are not willing to hear the, the cause given. Jesus is in their midst even uh, throughout the ministry that he has within the city of Jerusalem, and yet they were not willing because they didn't have the ears to hear the call that was given, and so the judgment comes. Well, that's probably uh, all that we can say in, in the time that we have for the idea of, uh, of efficacious call. Uh, again, I think that what we're trying to do is just establish the convictions that we have about these biblical doctrines that help us to be um, clear on evangelism. Um, in fact, they help us to pray better. Mm-hmm. Um, they help us in our church policy. Um, they help us the polity. They help us in our worship. All of these things, all five of these doctrines, and we've done four, um, really motivate and inform everything else that we do in in terms of corporate life and even individual life. Yeah, you know, you said the right thing there. It, it does both of those things. I know that, as I said in another podcast, I didn't, I came into these doctrines, um, you know, not willingly in that sense. I mean, I wasn't looking to, to be... Uh, re- have Reformed theology right. be the the dominating right. um, uh, theological scheme, if you will, that I that I see uh, lens lens. or whatever. Yeah, but but uh, but I will say this: as I noticed it, and be- and God opened my eyes to it, and, and it became a, a reality to me. Um, I, it did change my motivation, my desire for God's word. Uh, it it. it it increased my appetite right. for God's word in a way that nothing else had done. Right. Um, so I, I agree, it does motivate, but it also informs all the things that you right. talked about. And I wouldn't say that uh, that anyone who, again, is not following these or not embracing them wholeheartedly um, lacks a desire for the word. We're just giving our personal experience with it, mm-hmm. which is, is true. I mean, uh, it, it, it radically changed everything about my life. And it, it changed it to almost to the point where I, I think about my, my salvation. I mean, it was almost like a, a second salvation experience, you yeah. know? Uh, and I hesitate to say it because I don't want to be confusing to people who are listening, but it, it had radically changed everything. Am I perfectly consistent in these things at all time? Probably not. Uh, am I tr- still learning and growing in these things? I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, am I trying to grasp this more and more? And I'll be honest with you, it would be much easier not to hold to the doctrines of grace, to be a pastor of a church. Well, sure. It, it, it opens... It opens up so many more avenues, doesn't it? It does. Uh, because, um, but... Well, but it also, it all also um, creates a superficial um, motivation for growth. Well, it, it, I think that it actually produces not only a superficial motivation, but superficial um, responses to, to the Word. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if you stand up and um, from... 
and not, not all Armenians this way, so I don't want to throw everyone on the bus, but so many of the um, the attempts, uh, the pragmatic attempts at uh, evangelism that come from an Armenian perspective um, produce, um, uh, because of the cheap grace that's offered, um, I think superficial decision, decisional type, right. um, you know, things that often work themselves, often prove to be um, less than salvific. Right. So the things that have hurt me and been obstacles in a minister or a ministry of the gospel, the things that have hurt me more other than my own sin would be a divorce. And that's another story. And secondly, the doctrines of grace. Mm-hmm. The, these things have been obstacles um, for people um, to embrace and the, the church, to be a part of the church life. They have been the things that have kept me from other opportunities, particularly the divorce in that case. But, um, and, and not that I'm looking for some other opportunity. There's just been, in time, there's been opportunities that, that um, have been shut because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, and, and I'm not sure it's not because of the way that men think about these things. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to understand them from Scripture, I agree. Yeah, and I'm not trying to elevate myself, and I'm not looking to move or, or you know, do anything um, in terms of somebody feeling sorry for me or anything like that. I'm just saying it, it has been hard to continue in the conviction of these doctrines, um, and even there are people that I love dearly, um, people that attend our church that don't necessarily embrace these full hearted. No, but. But they're not hostile either. They no, just no. They, there's um, I don't know some kind of um, I don't even know how to articulate it. They 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 don't seem hostile to them, and yet they they wouldn't embrace them. I think the way is probably the way you said it is probably the best way to understand it. And, and I don't know if they don't if there's not a a, a a full understanding, or I don't know what would be the part of it is but, overcoming years and years of, of sure. other teaching. But um, but they are. Um, I mean, there there are people who still willingly sit and and subject themselves to the the ongoing teaching um, of, of the church and and haven't rocked the boat over it. Um, uh-huh. But um, I, and you can be grateful for that. Yes, and oh, that they're very, absolutely. That they 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 listen and they intently. I think they try to study and understand. And just because they haven't landed, that's why we say um, this is what we teach. It's not necessarily what you have to believe. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, even my mother. I mean, who I know is a saint, who I know is going to heaven. Um, Catholic Church is going to actually saint her. (laughs) 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 Who, uh, obviously, I I love and has influenced my life. Um, I don't know that she would embrace all of these things. And she's taught Sunday school and Southern Baptist churches um, all of my life, you know. And um, um, I, I don't know that she would completely be able to even articulate all these things, but but still, I, I know that she loves the Lord and is walking in obedience, and, um, uh, you know, my dad, the same, same way. So um, we just continue to try to understand these things and grow together and mm-hmm. love God um, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's it. 
Thanks for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast. If what you've heard today has been helpful to you, please subscribe. On behalf of the elders of BBC, I invite you to a worship service at Believer's Baptist Church this coming Sunday. The Bible study hour begins at 9.15 and the worship service begins at 10.30. Grace and peace. Peace.